And you can be seated this morning. Well, we've been in a series for some time called Happy Together, talking about relationships. And today being Father's Day, we're going to kind of conclude this series and we're going to talk a little bit about dads, being a father. And as I said a few moments ago, you know, being a mom or being a dad, taking on those roles as parents, they're big, big, big responsibilities. They don't come with a lot of instructions. You know, the baby shows up, there's no manual there. You don't know, you know, what you do from square one. So we tend to do what our fathers did with us, or if we didn't have a good father, we tend to run the opposite direction and kind of chart our own course. Dads, we want you to know you've got a huge job and we appreciate you. And so today what we want to do is we just want to share a couple of thoughts about our dads that maybe along the way might encourage you just a little bit. So Ann and I each are going to talk about our dads. And I want to begin today talking first of all about my father, Howard Martin, who went to be with the Lord about 11 years ago now. And I think we got his picture on the screen right there back in his army days when he was a young man. Uh, yeah, give him a hand. My dad was an interesting character, to say the least. Uh, he was born on a farm in Oklahoma, one of 13 kids. They were very, very poor. How many of you can imagine if you have 13 kids, you deserve to be poor, you know, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> he might not have saw it quite that way. But anyway, uh, one of 13 kids born on a farm in Oklahoma, raised in, in pretty much poverty. He really quit going to school after the eighth grade because he went to work to help provide for the family, to help feed all of those kids. Um, at 18 years of age, he got drafted into the Army during World War II. A year later, less than a year later, he was on the beaches in France on D-Day, and he survived that. He did the Private Ryan thing. He wasn't in the very first wave, but he was in one of the first few waves going on the beaches, and I'll just tell you, God kept his hand upon him and protected him. He came home from the service, uh, married my mom, and to be honest with you, from what I hear, it took him three or four years. ground, uh, as a lot of you guys know, and ladies too have been in, in combat. Uh, it took him a while to kind of get settled in, but eventually he married my mom, started the family, moved to Southern California. He became an auto mechanic, and then later on, all of my life, worked in a gas station, had his own gas station, owned a gas station, and uh, ran the gas station. The there's really two main things I want to talk about today. The first is my dad's sense of humor. Now, some of you don't appreciate my dad's sense of humor or my sense of humor. And, and, and don't say anything about my sense of humor because I got it from my dad, okay? So if you mess with me, you mess with him. So, you know, my dad had this amazing sense of humor that he learned how to laugh in every single season of life. It didn't matter what the season was. It didn't matter... Eventually, he found a way to laugh about things. And think about my dad. He laughed at himself. He laughed with people, And he laughed at people. 
Now, I know today that's not politically correct to do that, but he did. He laughed at himself. He laughed with people. He laughed at people. You know, he was like, he was fair. He was fair. He laughed at everybody, including himself. But there's a verse of Scripture this, in Proverbs 15, 15. It says, all the days of the afflicted are evil, but he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. And that was my dad. Every day of his life was a feast. It was a celebration day because he knew how to laugh. As a matter of fact, he built fun into his life at home, at work, wherever he was, wherever he was doing, even at church. Dad built fun into his life. And one of the things my dad did, he had all these silly one-liners has anybody, did anybody's dad have these silly one-liners he would throw out there besides me? Some of you are nodding your head and you're sitting next to your dad. That's dangerous, you know. But my dad had some silly one-liners. This is kind of how he built his life around humor. Uh, if, as a kid, if I fell down and skint my knee, if I bumped into something, got a bump on my head, if I got hurt, if anybody was ever complaining about being hurt, my dad would look at him and say, ah, I've had places on my lip worse than that and just kept whistling. Just a way of letting you know that ain't nothing. Just forget about it and keep going. Um, another thing my dad said, and I'm still working on this. I think I've got it figured out. But all my life, if you walk up and you say, hey, dad, look at this. How do you like that? It didn't matter if it was a car, what you were wearing, anything. If you showed him something and said, look at that, what do you think? He'd always say, eh, it looks like socks on a rooster. <laughs> now figure that out for yourself. It may be good, it may be bad. My dad also had a way, when he dealt with people, he had this ability to identify people who weren't trustworthy, people who talked a lot. And remember, he owned his own business, dealt with people all the time. He had the ability to single people out. And when people were just all talk and they couldn't back it up, he had an ability to identify it. And he had a word for them, people who were that way. He'd say, ah, he's just a blowhard. So think about that one. He's just a blowhard. A lot of hot Win makes a lot of noise, but doesn't make a lot of sense. And then as dad got old, he began to pick up some silly things. One of his things was whenever he'd go to bed at night, if you were around, he'd say, now, be sure and wake me up if it rains, because you know I can't sleep when it rains. <laughs> I know that's a really dumb one, but that, that wasn't mine. That was dad's, okay? Proverbs 17, says, a merry heart does good like medicine. But a broken spirit dries the bones. Can I just say today, you don't have to be like my dad, but you need to learn how to laugh. Laugh at yourself. Laugh with other people. Sometimes laugh at other people. It's good for you. It's like medicine. My dad lived to be 83 and a half years of age. His heart just gave out. I think a lot of it had to do with those years he spent on the beaches in France in the military. But here's the thing about my dad. He always had good health pretty much up till the very end of his life. And I think a lot of it had to do with his attitude and his laughter. So learn to laugh at yourself. Because he is actually here visiting from Ohio and he'll be with us in second service today. But past week and being able to spend time with him and uh, I'm just going to share with you a couple of things that that I've learned from his life and
is that I've just learned to enjoy life. Now, my dad, he comes from a family of inventors and entrepreneurs. Actually, just a fun fact, his father invented the first American two-stroke motorcycle, the Schickel motorcycle. But my dad, you know, he was an engineer, but he also inherited this entrepreneurial spirit. And so during my growing up, he started several businesses. He always had multiple irons in the fire. He was hardworking, very, very busy. Yet, in the midst of all of it, he knew how to enjoy life and to bring fun into our family. He had a sense of adventure. Anything the family was wanting to do or even anything anyone suggested, he was always up for trying. Whether it was uh, shooting or uh, four-wheeling or skiing or snowmobiling or horseback riding or trying to surf at 50 years old or trying windsurfing in his 70s, he was always up for an adventure. But most of all, he loved the water and anything that involved the water. He loved swimming and sailing and any kind of boating and fishing. And actually, all these uh, years that I've lived in California, he would make boogie boarding and body surfing part of his visit to California just up until more recent years. But in fact, even just this week while he was here, we spent the day at the beach together. And all of his children have learned that from him. We all have a love for the water and just learn to incorporate that fun into our lives. But, you know, along with that, along with bringing fun into our lives, I think goes right along with what Gary said about being able to laugh at ourselves. And my dad was also able to laugh at himself. You know, I don't recall my dad laughing at everybody else, but... <laughs> But I do recall him laughing at himself. And, you know, all dads have quirks. Now, dads, if you're sitting there thinking, well, I don't have any quirks, just ask your children. They all know your quirks. You know, I guess it's fair to say that we all have quirks. But since this is Father's Day, you know, we're just highlighting the dad quirks. <laughs> and so if you were to ask me or any of my three brothers, about our dad's quirks, we would all say the same things. We know what they are. And the list would probably start with the fact that when he gets in any car, no matter whose it is, no matter how many times he's been in the car, yes, you're shaking your head, yes, he will push, turn, twist every knob imaginable in the car just to see what it does and why. And we tell him, once an engineer, always an engineer. <laughs> we tease him relentlessly for his quirks. But the thing that I appreciate is that my dad is always willing to laugh and to laugh along with us and to laugh at himself. And I think that we should all learn from that and just be able to laugh at ourselves and not take ourselves too seriously. You know, dads, we realize that you carry a lot of pressure. And there is a lot of weight on you, looking out for your families, protecting, providing for your families. And often the weight of that pressure can become all-consuming. 
And today, I just want to encourage you and remind you to enjoy life. Take time to enjoy life. And don't take yourself so seriously that you can't laugh at yourself. You know, the Apostle Paul gave some instructions to fathers in Colossians chapter 3. And in verse 21, he said, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Dads, of course you're going to discipline and train your children, but let it be balanced with fun and with joy so they don't become discouraged. And as Gary already referred to Proverbs 17, where it says, a merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Remember to enjoy life and to laugh at yourself because not only will it be a medicine to yourself, it will be like medicine to your whole family as well. So true. Uh, one Christmas, I threatened to buy Ann's dad a Fisher-Price kid's car dash with a steering wheel so he'd have something to play with at home so he'd leave our dash alone when he got in our car. That, now, see, I inherited that from my dad. I pick on other people, okay, so you can laugh with me. Uh, children, let me say one thing about your dads. As your dads get older, I've not reached that age yet, but as your dads get older, they will do silly things. Laugh with them. Don't scold them. Laugh with them. It's good for them, okay? It'll keep them alive longer. Second thing I want to talk about, isn't that right, Zach? You need, to, you need to learn from this today. You're a father now. You need to just relax and laugh a little bit, okay? And, and your kids will soon identify quirks. That's right. <laughs> Second thing I want to talk about uh, that I really learned from my dad that I think has really impacted my life was his work ethic. My dad, some would have called him a workaholic, but my dad had a real understanding coming from poverty, a large family, uh, coming off of a farm, moving to Southern California, the Los Angeles area, my dad understood that you are going to get out of life what you put into it. There's no question about that. You can, you can quote all the scripture you want. You can give me all the faith stories you want to give me. The bottom line is you're going to get out of life what you put into it. You've got to sow your seed in order to reap. And when it came to business, dad understood this. And he didn't Never, as far as I know, he never lived in fear of tomorrow or in fear of running out of money, but he understood that he was only going to get back from business what he put into his business. And his work ethic was unbelievable. Uh, one of the things that dad did, and I want to encourage My dad loved cars. He loved working on cars. Now, there were some things he didn't like to do along the way, but as a rule, he loved working. And he never minded the sacrifices that he had to make. He never complained about his sacrifices. And here's what he did. He worked six days a week. Occasionally, he had to work half a day on Sunday. But he worked six days a week. And I'm talking 12 hours a day, sometimes 14 hours a day. He worked long, hard hours. But he knew it was his business and it rested on his shoulders. 
And what I learned from my dad growing up was he was committed to his family. Therefore, he had to be committed to his business to take care of his family. He knew if he was gone, things just didn't go the way they needed to go. And he was committed to his business. And I want to just give you a few verses out of Proverbs. My dad was not a Bible quoter, but let me give you some verses that I think really describe my dad. Proverbs 12, 24 says, The hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. Proverbs 14, 23, In all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. Now, I told you about my dad. He loved to have fun. At work, there was always something going on at his gas station. There was always humor, always funny stuff. But when it was time to work, my dad went to work, and you didn't hear a word from him. He worked and worked and worked until it was done, and then it was time to laugh and have his fun. Proverbs 26, 13 says, The lazy man says, There's a lion in the road, a fierce lion in the streets. My dad was one who hated excuses. He didn't want to hear your excuses. He didn't want to hear your whining. Just get out and get the job done. And then Proverbs 26, 14 says, As a door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy man on his bed. My dad, now this is just my dad, so please don't anybody take this personal, okay? Or personally. My dad hated laziness. He could not understand how people could lay in the bed until 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning. He said, go to bed at night and get up with the chickens and go do what you're supposed to do. He understood if you're laying in the bed all day, you're not getting your work done. Then finally, Proverbs 26, 16, the lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. The last thing about my dad and his work ethic, I learned from my dad that there are always going to be people out there who are lazy and you cannot change them. And my dad had this phrase. His phrase was, you can't talk to him. That was just his phrase. You can't talk to him. What that meant was, save your breath. They will not listen. They'll give you 17 excuses and they can't give you one bit of common sense. So don't waste your breath. You can't talk with them and you know my dad built a strong business that supported him and when it came time to retire he'd provided for his family he'd provided for his retirement he did it all himself and he was a simple country boy but let me tell you how he built his business and this is the last part of what I want to share about my dad my dad bought his service station back in the 1960s, and we lived in Bell Gardens, California, which is a suburb of East Los Angeles. It's now a very tough, very rough area. Back then, it was a bunch of hillbillies and country western bars in the day, so he fit right in. But, but here's, here's the point I want to make. My dad started his business, and he knew the only way for him to compete was to establish a customer base, return customers. Because all around my dad, on the major thoroughfare intersections, there were these large gas stations owned by the oil companies, and they bought their gas cheaper than my dad could buy it, so they could price their prices down and sell it cheaper. And this is back before the days of self-service. How many can remember when people pumped your gas for you? Okay, we've got a few people. Second service won't be anybody, but first service, we've got a few. 
That was back in the days of full service. Everything was full service. So my dad understood the only advantage he had was to offer full service. So when I worked for my dad as a, a kid and as a teenager, I went out to ask someone, I said, may I help you? They would tell you how much gas they wanted. You'd go pump the gas. You'd come back and say, can I check your oil? Can I check the water? Can I check the air in your tires? Can I clean your windshield? All of that was a part of full service. And I hated working for my dad because he made me do all of it. But he understood that's the competition or that's the edge we have over the competition. That's our advantage. It's full service. So what my dad did was this. Our area was a fairly poor area. So my dad would sell gas on the credit to people. Now get this. I'm talking about moms on welfare, single moms. I'm talking about business people and businesses. I'm talking about anybody who would come and regularly buy gas from my dad. He would sell them gas on the credit. And then on payday, back then we didn't have direct deposit. They would bring their paychecks. My dad would cash the checks on payday. He would take his money out that they owed him, give them the balance, and they would go on their way. He did that with single moms on welfare. And, you know, the, the first and the 15th back then, he called it Mother's Day because the moms would come with their welfare checks. But dad understood, I can make a living if I provide a service for those people. And my dad served people. I mean, whether it was those single moms on welfare, whether it was the poor guy just scratching to make ends meet, there were times people would come in and say, Howard, I... You know, I'm in a tough place. My car broke down. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to make it till payday. And my dad would say, I'll fix your car and you can pay me in installments over the next several weeks. He would set up deals like that. And my dad built a business. And the interesting thing was when my dad retired, he sold his business. The people came in who bought it and he showed them his whole system. And they laughed and said, we're not going to do it that way. We've got a new way of doing it. Within a year, that station was out of business because they didn't understand the importance of serving people and providing a service for people. And finally, the last thing, when my dad passed away, I had the privilege and the, the weight of doing his memorial service. And I was going through my dad's stuff, just you know, looking through everything he had left behind, and my dad still had this box. And I opened it up, and it was still cards, receipts from his gas station of people who never, ever paid their bills. He kept them all those years. And I went through it, and there weren't many. There were only a handful. But to my surprise, one of the people in there who never, ever paid his bill, I mean, Dad would sell tires on the credit, batteries on the credit. He'd do work on the credit. One of the guys who never paid his bill was one of the most super spiritual men in church who always wanted to be up front, who always wanted to be preaching, and the reason my dad never accepted Jesus until I was 19 years old was because of people in the church who would not pay their bills. And he thought, I live better lives than they do, and they claim to be Christians. So I want to tell you something. People are watching you. Learn to be faithful. Learn to develop a good work ethic. Serve people. It'll be a blessing to your life. Well, one of the biggest things that I have learned from my dad and really from his family going back many generations is the power of legacy. And my great-grandfather at 20 years of age came from Germany to America 
by boat. And his parents, my great-great-grandparents, handed him a letter, a powerful letter, when he got on that boat. And that letter I have heard read so many times throughout my life. I've heard it uh, read at family reunions. In fact, I have it framed and hanging on the wall in my living room. And it has really just been such a big part of our family. And I want to share that with you today. But before I read that letter to you, I want you to keep in mind that it was written in 1870. It's been translated from German into English, and it was written by parents who were putting their oldest son, who was 20 years old, on a boat to leave Germany to go to a place they'd never been, not knowing if they would ever see him again. And this is what they wrote. Dear Wilhelm, travel with God, then no mishap will befall thee. Hold fast to your holy religion to which you are pledged. Be on guard against every sin and avoid every occasion which could bring you to a fall. Let prayer be your daily weapon. Never omit the practices of your holy religion. Do not forget your dear parents or think and excuse me and think of your faithful brothers and sisters. Be for them, if you can, father and provider. Remember also your good grandparents and lock them into your daily prayers. In your vocation, may you become always more proficient and be a man of character. Be hardworking and frugal. That will save you from want. Increase your property but not at the expense of uprightness and loyalty. Be loving toward all and have a heart for those who suffer want. Take care of your health, but more still, think of your eternal happiness. Let this memorandum be written in your heart. Then our reunion, be it here or there, will be a happy one. Signed, your parents, who will always bear you in their hearts, Johannes and Gertrude Schickel, Wiesbaden, Germany, July 15th, 1870. My, <laughs> my great-grandparents' faith was of utmost importance to them, and they wanted that faith to be carried on by their descendants. But you know, the thing about faith is that it's personal. And as much as we want others to carry on that faith and we want to share that with others, we cannot experience faith for anyone else. It's something that has to be experienced by each person individually. However, we can help guide others towards a life of faith. And you know, I never had the opportunity to meet my great-great-grandparents who penned this letter. I never had the opportunity to meet my great-grandfather who received this letter. I never even met my grandparents on my dad's side because they passed away before I was ever born. 
yet this legacy of faith has impacted my life. And I want to remind all of us today that our legacy will impact many, many generations. You know, in Deuteronomy 11, it's talking about the blessings that come from obeying God's commands. And in verses 18 and 19, it says this, Therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Dads, don't let your faith be something that is so private and personal that it's hidden from your family. Talk to your children. Talk to your family about your faith. Encourage them in a life of faith. Talk to them about your relationship with God. Help them find relationship with God as well. And give them a godly example. You know, they do not need an example of perfection. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. They just need an example of someone who is sincerely endeavoring to follow God. And pray for your children. Pray for your grandchildren. Pray for future generations. You know, from this letter, I know that my great-great-grandparents prayed for my great-grandfather. And I believe that he, as a result of their prayers and their example, experienced his own faith in God. We also have uh, another book that's a collection of letters, correspondence, that went back and forth between my great-grandfather and his parents while he was in America. And through those letters... His faith is evident. I know that he experienced his own faith as a result of their prayers. But did you notice in that letter, they also prayed for his vocation. And I believe he was divinely inspired in his work because he became a very prominent architect in New York City who designed many of the major churches and cathedrals there. In fact, I think we have a couple of photos. Churches and cathedrals that are still standing today, St. Ignatius Loyola, Sacred Heart, St. Monica's, those are just a, a couple of the many churches and cathedrals that he designed. And, you know, they prayed for his vocation. And I think those prayers paid off. In fact, after he passed away, the newspaper articles referred to him as the father of American church architecture. So we know that his parents prayed for him, but I just have a sense that they also prayed for future generations, not just for their children, but for their grandchildren and future generations as well. And you know, just maybe their children and their grandchildren prayed for future generations. And it just might have been their prayers that caused my dad, my parents, to become hungry for God and to go on a search for God and discover their own personal relationships with God. 
And I know that it was my parents, my dad's search for God, his relationship with God that has impacted my life. I have seen his relationship with God bring such strength and joy into his life. And because of his search for God, that caused me to find relationship with God as well. And so dads, I just want to encourage you this morning. Point your children to a life of faith. Pray for them. Pray for future generations. You are leaving a legacy. Let it be a legacy of faith that will make an eternal impact in the generations to come. That's great, Anne. You know, one of the things that you said that is so important, I think, is you don't have to be perfect. My father didn't really make a confession of faith until I was like 19 years old. And he did it sitting in a restaurant with friends. The interesting thing about faith is dads, I think men in general, tend to get intimidated with, well, can I do this correctly? And, you know, if I can't do it perfectly, I'm not going to do it. Let me tell you something. Your children need to see you in simplistic, applicable, everyday life, acknowledging the lordship of Jesus and teaching them how to do the same thing. You know, make it simple. Make it practical. You don't need to be super spiritual. You don't need to become the prophet Isaiah or the apostle John on the Isle of Patmos. God just wants you to be you, to be who you are, and to be simple about things. You know, in closing this morning, one of the things that I think Ann would say about her dad and I can say about my dad is, they also had the ability to look back and say, boy, did I make a mistake there? Boy, did I, was I wrong about that? Did I, did I mess that up? Uh, my dad was always able after the fact to go back and say, boy, I was wrong. You know, I think a part of being a good dad is being able to look at your children and your wife and grandchildren and say, well, I was wrong about that one. I think to let them see your humanity is really important. But I also think sometimes in pursuing relationship with God, we men get really overwhelmed because we're not perfect. God doesn't expect you to be perfect. He expects you to believe him and honor him and follow him. And I want to today do two things. I want to pray for dads, first of all. But in the same prayer, I also want to pray a prayer, and I want to give every person in this place a chance to pray this prayer and just open your heart to Jesus today. Maybe you've never accepted the Lord for whatever reason. Maybe you've never made a profession of faith. But, you know, God loves us. He loves us so much. He put his own son on a cross to pay for our sins, to bring us into relationship with him. And he wants us by faith to just open our hearts and say, I receive you. I believe you today. So I want to pray for dads. I'm going to ask everybody in the house, close your eyes. Bow your heads. Let me pray for dads. Father, I pray for dads today. God, I would dare say that a lot of men in this house would probably feel like they're not doing a great job because of an issue here or an issue there. But I pray today that you would help every man here to see the positive things, the good things he's doing, the things that are bearing fruit, the things that are making a difference. God, we're never going to be perfect in this life. But I pray that you would help men here today understand It's my responsibility to be a dad, and it begins with following Jesus. Father, I pray today that you would increase our faith, strengthen our faith, encourage us today, even in the middle of 
dad challenges, challenges at work, challenges at home, in the midst of our imperfection, encourage us today to lift up our heads and realize that with your help, we can be the fathers you've asked us to be. Father, help us to love our children. Help us to set godly examples for them. Help us to show them fun and teach them good work habits in life. But above all else, help us to let them know that you are our God. In spite of our failures and weaknesses, we trust you and we believe you today. Father, encourage all of our dads in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask everybody in the house, while heads are still bowed, everybody here, pray this prayer with me right out loud. Say, God, I need you in my life. I open my heart to you. Please come fill my life. Bring your presence. Bring your grace. Bring your forgiveness. Wipe away my failures and sin. I believe in Jesus. I accept him as my Savior. I choose to make him Lord of my life. I will follow you. So from this day forward, you'll be my father. I'll be your child. Thank you for loving me. Amen. Amen. I want to say today, we, we've got a lot planned after service. We've got the cars out in the parking lot for you to stop and enjoy. Probably some bikes out there too. We want, to, we want you to enjoy that. But before we go today, a couple things. If you started your relationship with God, maybe you've been running from God or maybe you've never accepted Him. If you started that relationship today, we want to help you begin the relationship. That prayer is the beginning. It's not the end. It's just the beginning of relationship with God. We've got a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. We want to give it to you. Two ways you can get it. When service is over, there'll be prayer teams at the front of the building. You can just walk up to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll know exactly what you want. They'll give it to you. No strings attached. If you want to visit, great. If you've got questions, if you want prayer for something else, they'll help you. If you want to get it and go, that's fine with us. As you leave the building, the glass doors in the lobby, as you exit, right in the middle, there's a counter set up there. The big sign talks about following the Lord. You can stop by there and get the very same booklet if you're in a big rush. Stop by, pick it up. We want to give it to you today. It's our responsibility to help you get started walking with God. God bless you today. Can we put our hands together and welcome all of our first time, I mean, all of our folks who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Amen. God bless you today. Give a hand to another dad, Pastor Zach Martin. Come on, let's thank them for that great message this morning. That was awesome. Awesome. We hope that you've enjoyed being in church this morning. We have just a couple more things to do in the next few moments. And so right now, at this point in our service, we are going to give to God. We're going to honor Him by bringing our tithes and our offerings into His house. And I just want to take a moment to encourage everybody and also thank you for your generosity and for your faithfulness in giving here at the bridge. We are so incredibly faithful or so incredibly grateful for your faithfulness in giving here in the church. And we know that when people make a decision to put God first in the area of their finances, it's a statement. It's like putting a flag in the ground that says, God, I trust you. I put you first in my life. You are my source. You are my provider. And I look to you and honor you with the first fruits of my income. And that's what we're going to do today. And there's a few different ways that you can give that are up on the screen right now.
right now. Whatever's most convenient for you, we would encourage you to do that. I also want to say that if you're a guest with us today, there is never any pressure. There's never any compulsion. There's no arm twisting here when it comes to giving. This is a free will offering. It's something that we do to give to God because he's been faithful to us. And just to encourage you really quickly, let me say this. I was thinking this morning about the characteristics of our God. We talk about a generous God all the time and how he's calling us also to be generous. You know, we see from the very beginning of scripture that it's God who gives life to us. We see in John chapter 3 that God loves us so much that he gives Jesus to redeem us. We see in James chapter 1 that every single good and perfect gift that we receive is given to us by our Heavenly Father. That's how much He loves us. That's how much He believes in us. So every time we give, it's a statement that we believe in Him, we put Him first, and we trust Him. So again, thank you so much for your faithfulness and giving and for your generosity. Our church is doing amazing things locally and globally because of a good God and people's faithfulness. So thank you so much. As our ushers come right now to receive our tithes and our offerings, let's give in confidence and check out church news. Happy Father's Day, everyone. My name is Adrian, and I want to welcome you to The Bridge. We are so glad that you and your family are here with us. If you are joining us for the first time today, we want to give you an extra special welcome and say thanks so much for choosing to spend your morning with us. We would love to meet you today and help you get connected so that you can find your place in the church. So let's take a look at church news and see what's coming up at The Bridge. Then we'll be right back to tell you how you can get involved. Are you new to The Bridge? Are you interested in getting involved in church life? If so, we want to invite you and your family to come to Connecting Point. Connecting Point is the place to come if you want to learn more about the heart, mission, and vision of The Bridge Church. It's also the place to come and meet our pastors and find out how you can be a part of everything